Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Now, again, this section of Scripture is put in between what we just read uh, in, in chapter 15 where, you know, about canceling of debts every seven years and, and kindnesses and generosity to the poor and laws concerning bond servants. And right in between is this section because it really gets us right into the Passover because we know that in order for you to sacrifice your firstborn of your flock or your herd, that, that, that's a cost to you, isn't it? If you're a landowner and you ha- are a, uh, a farmer, that, first, that firstborn cow of that heifer is going to be sacrificed to the Lord. Today on Truth in Christ, God gives the requirements of the law so that the Jewish nation can prepare for the Passover celebration. Today, Pastor Rob gives us a look at the review God gives his people on the celebration of the Passover and what it means to the Jews. In doing so, he gives instructions on how to separate the firstborn of their flock and make preparations for them to be sacrificed to God. This becomes a picture for us in the New Testament as Jesus becomes the true Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins and allowed us to be reconciled to our God. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for tonight. We pray that God, uh, as we read your word, Lord, that it would take root in our heart. And Lord, we would come away with understanding Lord, we would understand more of of you, more of your character, more of your love for your people, which includes us, Lord, the church. And and Father, may we learn uh, things tonight uh, from your word that would encourage us in our walk with you, Father. So open open our ears and open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we could, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. And last week we touched on Deuteronomy chapter 15, but we left out a section, um, and we're going to finish that section. And um, if you open up to Deuteronomy chapter 15, you'll notice right there from verses 19 through the end of chapter 15, uh, if you have a New King James Version, it'll say uh, the heading at the top, which is put there by the translators of the New King James Version, uh, says the law concerning firstborn animals. And it's kind of interesting that this little section here of Scripture is right in between what we read and got into last week. And, and what that was is we talked about uh, God just allowing the, the children of Israel to have a time every seven years where any creditors would forgive debts. And, and that was a really great policy for people who were, um, who were struggling. And, you know, it just shows you God's care because he never wants his people to be in bondage for too long. You know, in fact, he, he doesn't want you to be in bondage at all 
but we put ourselves in bondage perhaps because of things that we owe or because of things that we, we overextend ourselves and we find ourselves being a servant to the lender, right? And, and back in this time, that was very, uh, that happened. Somebody owed a debt and they couldn't pay it, they would offer themselves uh, to work and to pay off that debt. And so God wanted to make sure that this kind of thing didn't go on perpetually and somebody just be living their life trying to pay off somebody, you know, for a lifetime. You know, it, it was something that, the mercy of God. And, and so we looked at that, and we also looked at the generosity of the poor on how they were supposed to care for the, the poor people in the land. And, you know, I wonder what would happen if our, in our country if we did more of that too. You know, thank God in this city there are many soup kitchens, there are many uh, shelters for homeless people. And uh, if you're on the street in Rochester, you really don't have to go hungry because there are many soup kitchens available downtown. And um, I used to live right next to one in 111 East Avenue. There was a Christ Church right next door. And in the back there, they would always have a couple times a day a soup kitchen. I could see the line out there every, every, um, every day. And so but caring for the poor was something that, was, that God was concerned about, and also the law concerning bond servants, slaves, or Hebrew servants. And, you know, not every servant and not every slave is badly treated. In our country, we have this bad, bad stigma attached to uh, anyone who is labeled a slave or a servant. Really, if you're a servant, you're a slave. Uh, the only connotation is, is when we think of a slave, we think of our country's past where slaves were treated poorly and sometimes brutally. And certainly there's no excuse for any of that. That was horrible. And no human being should ever be treated like that. But not every human being was treated like that. There were some who loved their masters, and they stayed with their masters, and, and they loved the way they were treated. They had no other delight. They, they loved their master, and they would stay with them, if you recall, and then right in between all of this and chapter 16, which really talks about three different feasts, the most important Hebrew feasts of the year, we have this little section, and it's called the Law Concerning Firstborn Animals. And so why don't we get right into it? Let's just read those, first, um, those verses from verse 19 through the 23rd, and then we'll go back and we'll look at it. It says, All the firstborn males... That come from your herd and your flock, you shall sanctify to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God year by year in the place, notice, which the Lord chooses. You're going to see that phrase a lot, in the place which the Lord chooses. And if there is a defect in it, if it is lame or blind or has any serious defect at all, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You can eat it within your gates. The unclean and clean person alike may eat of it as if it were a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. Now, again, this section of Scripture is put in between what we just read uh, in, in chapter 15 where, you know, about canceling of debts every seven years and, and kindnesses and generosity to the poor and laws concerning bond servants. And right in between is this section because it really gets us right into the Passover because we know that in order for you to sacrifice your firstborn of your flock or your herd, that, that, that's a cost to you, isn't it? If you're a landowner and you ha- are a, a, a farmer, that, first, that firstborn cow of that heifer is going to be sacrificed to the Lord. 
most people would think, well, I want that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sacrifice anything. I, every head counts, <laughs> right? Every one of those heads count. That means something to me. When I see that, that calf come out of the mother, I see a dollar sign, cha-ching, right? And most people do. When I look at a cow in a field, I think of beef jerky and steaks. I, just, I superimpose the steak over the cow. I can't even see the cow. All I see is a, is a beef tenderloin. Um, so, but God is uh, putting this section of Scripture right before because it's going to be the firstborn, the, the, the firstborn of the herd or the, or, or the lambs that's going to be the Passover lamb. And we know that it had to be of the first year. It had to be without blemish. Okay? And so it's kind of getting us into this idea of the Passover. And it really prevents greediness, doesn't it? Because when you have to give the firstborn of your animals, of your herd, and of your flock, it keeps you from being self-centered and and greedy. And it would also cause the children of Israel to learn to trust in the Lord and to learn about worship, right? To learn about worship, because in order for there to be real worship, there has to be sacrifice. Any real worship is sacrificial. I mean, when I sing to the Lord, that may not be, be a real sacrifice to me. I can worship him in the sense my heart is engaged and, and maybe your heart is not engaged, and maybe you need to get there. And sometimes a sacrifice of praise is exactly that. You praise the Lord because you don't feel like it. Do any of you really feel like singing to the Lord when you come in, when you've had a hard day perhaps, or you've got a lot on your mind? But something wonderful happens when you sacrifice praise. When you purpose, And I know because I'm a worship leader too. And I understand that I need, there's times where uh, Aubrey's leading worship. There's times when I have uh, where I didn't feel like it. But it has nothing to do with my feelings. My feelings will lie to me all day long, just as they will to you. But when I purposely say, Lord, regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of my day, you deserve praise. You deserve worship. Do you think the Levites, after a while, do you think they got tired of sacrificing the animals and going through the motions of, of cutting the throat of the, of the lamb and bleeding the thing out and then separating it and certain parts go up on the altar, certain parts get burned outside the camp, you've got to drain the blood here, you've got to take off these clothes and put on these clothes. Do you think after a while they were just kind of going through the motions and like, I'm just kind of on autopilot? <laughs> have you been on autopilot? I have. But God loves when we worship him and we say, Lord, I don't understand why I feel the way I do. I feel kind of cold. I feel kind of indifferent. But I, need to, I want to do this to you. And sometimes the worst I feel, sometimes when I feel like my voice is just hitting the ground and nobody else is singing and everyone's looking at their watch while I'm, while I'm worshiping the Lord or leading in worship, and you see you know, people are getting up and walking out or whatever it is, it's like, even those are the times that I think the Lord delights when we push through it and keep going anyway. And you may not get the warm fuzzy, but you know that you have touched the heart of God because there's no flesh involved in it. But man, when all the lights are on and all the things are happening and the smoke is pouring out from the stage, I say that in a funny way because that's really not worship, that's entertainment. But real worship you know, when, when, when your voice is right on, when your guitar is perfectly in tune, when you're feeling really good and the, and the church is just on their feet and they're clapping and, 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 man, it's just something, you know. That can be really wonderful, and those are really wonderful times. 
But don't confuse it. Sometimes we rip ourselves off by thinking that when I got all the bells and whistles, that's worship because my feelings are involved. Sometimes the greatest times of worship are when my feelings aren't involved at all. Or and maybe I shouldn't say that, but when I'm feeling very dull and I'm feeling like I'm not getting anywhere and I'm doing it as a sacrifice to him, that's oftentimes when God says that to me means more to me than when the days when you're feeling good and everything's going well and everything's in tune doesn't mean that the other isn't worship. It just means that it's a sacrifice now. And so I, I believe that touches the Lord's heart. So I, I believe that this, this idea of giving the firstborn is, is exactly that. It's worship. It costs them something to sacrifice this animal, this firstborn animal. You want to keep the firstborn animal. You've been waiting for it for how mo- however long, months, for this thing to come to pass. And it's also a good reminder for them to realize how they were redeemed during the night of the Passover. They were redeemed with the blood of a lamb. And of course, we're going to look at that tonight. But let's look at, um, let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, verse 19 again. We're just going to go through a few things. It says, All the firstborn males that come from your herd and your flock you shall sanctify, notice that word, to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. And the idea of sanctify means to dedicate, to set it apart, to consecrate. It's sacred. It's something set aside. And we see this idea first off in Exodus chapter 13. And uh, if you want to go there, you can, or I can just read it to you, and you can write the reference down. But it's in Exodus 13, beginning in verse 11. And this is what it says. This goes back to the very beginning of where this came from. It says, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart, notice, consecrate or uh, uh, sanctify, to the Lord all that opens the womb, that is, every firstborn, That comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of men among your sons shall you also redeem. And so it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you say to him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass... When Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as the frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. You know, it's interesting, even in our Western culture, uh, the firstborn always has the, um, the, the, the preeminence, really, right? It's like my mom, I have an older brother, and he's the executor of my mother's estate, and rightfully so, he's the firstborn. That's a right that is his, right, as the firstborn. We, we always see the firstborn son or the firstborn daughter, whatever it is, we, we always uh, hold them up a little higher because they were the first, and, and, and it's so in our culture as well. And you know what? This idea of sanctifying the firstborn, it's, it's what Hannah did. Do you recall? Hannah um, was married to Elkanah, and, and Elkanah also had another wife, Penina, and she was giving birth left and right. And Hannah, Elkanah, he loved her, but she was barren. And to a, a Jewish woman to be barren, that's like a death sentence socially. It's like having a scarlet letter on you. What is wrong with you? 
Why can't you produce? It was a shame for a Hebrew woman not to be able to have kids. And so Hannah, she cries out to the Lord. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when she and her family was in Shiloh, that's where the temple, or the, not the temple, I'm sorry, the tabernacle, not the physical structure, but the tabernacle, the tent, okay? That was there in Shiloh. And it says, she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but but will give your maidservant a male child. Notice, if you do this, Lord, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. That's exactly what she did. She consecrated the firstborn son, Samuel. She consecrated him and took him to the temple, or took him to the tabernacle, sorry. Big difference, small difference. Took him to the tabernacle to serve Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. She took him there as a young boy. You're going to serve the Lord there, and I'll come back year to year, sweetheart, and I'm going to bring you new clothes because you're going to grow like a weed. And that's exactly what she did. Can you imagine? So she consecrated her firstborn. In verse 19, it says, All the firstborn males that come from your herd and your flock you shall sanctify. Set them apart. You shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. Verse 20, you and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God year by year. Notice, in the place where the Lord chooses. In the place where the Lord chooses. Do you remember, just a few weeks ago, we were in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And in verse 2, it says this. You shall utterly destroy all the places, God speaking to the children of Israel, where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. And on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. But he says, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. Now, as we look down through history, we know that originally, you know, God had uh, placed his, the, the temple, uh, the, the tabernacle was in Shiloh temporarily for a few hundred years, actually. And then it got moved. Remember David, that was one of his big uh, things. He wanted to bring the tabernacle into Jerusalem, right? And he wanted to bring it there, and we're going to see that in just a minute. But one of the things about that, the, the, place, the, the, the place where God would place his name there, is in, ultimately in Jerusalem. And if you remember, I had some pictures of, of a topographical map of, of Jerusalem. And with, because of the valleys, the way Jerusalem is set up, it, it looks like this. The Temple Mount, the, the Kidron Valley being here, the uh, Hinnom Valley being over here, and then the Tyropian Valley in here, and it shapes a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Shin. It's the Hebrew Shin. It looks like a W to us, but it literally means, it, it means, uh, it stands for Shaddai, another name for God, and he places his name there. Even the land, the typography of the land shows the, the Hebrew letter Shin in the very, uh, the contour of the land. You can look at the map, I think that's interesting. Even from space, you can look down. Hey, it's a Hebrew shin that stands for God. Oh, he placed his name there, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, he did. He did. But the tabernacle ultimately would start in Shiloh, and we see that in Joshua chapter 18. 
It says uh, in Joshua chapter 18, verse 1, you remember the children of Israel have been going through the desert, and finally they park in Shiloh, uh, Joshua. And it's here that the tabernacle is set up permanently for quite a while. It says in 18, verse 1 of Joshua, it says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled, assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. And there it stood for hundreds of years. And we just read in 1 Samuel when uh, Hannah and her husband came up to Shiloh. Year by year, they came up to Shiloh where the tabernacle was, and that's ultimately where she took her firstborn son, this young Samuel, the, the prophet Samuel, the, the, the last judge and, and one of the first prophets, one of the first prophets. We know that there were others. But the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle were in Shiloh from the time of Joshua through the time of Samuel until David, and ultimately the tabernacle was brought into Jerusalem by David, and then a permanent temple, as you know, was built by Solomon, right? Hundreds of years later, finally made its place in Jerusalem, where God would choose to place his name there. And that's ultimately where the landing spot was going to be. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21, you remember that after David... Uh, he gave birth to Solomon, and then after Solomon, the kingdom divided with Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there started the division where the northern and the southern kingdom. Rehoboam had the southern two tribes, and Jeroboam took the northern ten tribes, and they went up north, and, and they committed all kinds of heinous acts in their worship, right? But notice what it says in First Kings 14. It says, And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, he reigned in Judah, and he was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, comma, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. It's the first time where we see God finally saying, I put my name here. Put my name here. Let's go back to verse 21 in Deuteronomy 15. It says, Speaking of this animal, this firstborn, if there is a defect in it, it is lame, if it's lame or blind or has any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You know, God wanted the very best. You know, sometimes when we bring stuff to the Lord, even here being in the, in the church for as long as I have, you know, there's people, and, and you know what, they mean well, and praise the Lord, you know, there, there's some really sweet things that people have blessed the church with over time, and, and I don't want to minimize that. But sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, a very small portion of time, somebody will bring junk, and they just want to drop it off. This will bless the Lord. This will bless somebody in the church. Well, it, you know, it doesn't bless anybody. <laughs> you hate to say that because, you know, their heart is right, but their heart is not right in one sense because they're just bringing the thing that nobody wants. Get rid of the beat-up thing and, and just bring it. Somebody will take it, you know, rather than bringing the nice thing. The church is not a salvation army. It ought not to be. But sometimes people load our front counter up here with junk. Sometimes it's pretty good stuff. And, you know, like last week we had some, someone uh, put up there a case of uh, uh, antioxidant things, and, boy, that went, and everybody was really bust about that. But other times, you know, you just you wonder, where does this stuff come from? The basement? Uh, in a box that's been submerged in water? You know, it just ought not to be. Bring the best. That's my, that's my encouragement to you. Think of who you're giving it to. Is it a sacrifice? Are you just giving it out of convenience, or does it hurt a little bit? Sometimes the best 
worship is when it hurts a little bit. And that includes our giving. I can give because it's convenient. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.